Welcome to the Don't Die Podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That's what we want. We want people to stop dying. Absolutely. Are they listening yet? Uh, I don't think the people that we need to be getting this message out to listen to this podcast. I think that's part hmm. of our problem. Okay. I don't think it's... I don't think it's really a 17 to 34 demographic, this podcast. We're not getting the message to the people that need it. But we are getting the message to the people who talk to the people who need it. So maybe that's helping. <laughs> okay. Well, that demographic, 17 to 30, whatever, they're busy. <laughs> maybe we should do a don't die TikTok. Don't die TikTok would be good. <laughs> yeah, can can either of you dance? Because I understand it's dancing. I've never looked much at the TikTok, but I understand it's it's dancing and stuff. I'm quite the dancer from back in the day. Chuck. I think <laughs> I need to be like a sexy girl or something to be okay, on TikTok. So right? I know I shit on Huntington Beach a lot, <laughs> but in 1977, I was the best disco dancer in Huntington Harbor at the club that's that's off Warner Trail there. There was a little, and it was disco, and Mike knows the story, but maybe you don't, Chuck. <laughs> so I, I, I was a lost pup, Chuck, at 15. My dad killed himself. And so at 16, I started smoking pot and drinking. 17, we moved two, it's, yeah, we moved two times in like a year and a half, so I didn't have any friends. I had pimples. Nobody liked me. And so I latched on to every um, kind of social movement especially musically. So in 75, I was wearing crop top shirts and like glam type of thing. And then in 76, I kind of went uh, Van Halen heavy metal. Then in 77, I went disco. I was a little, I was a little late to the party at disco and we lived in Huntington <laughs> beach and there was a discotheque in Huntington Harbor in this like strip mall right at Warner near almost the PCH up oh, in Huntington okay. Harbor. Yeah, yeah. And I used to go there on Thursday nights was disco night. And I would, I had the Farrah pants, the tight polyester pants. I had four inch heel shoes. So I was very tall. And I had like a gold glam disco, uh, like members only jacket. And I had, I wore a big long scarf. And I would put the scarf around the lady's neck that I was dancing with, especially the song Love is in the Air by John, John, whatever his name was. Uh, love is in the air. It's in everything and everywhere. I want to love you the way that I do. And I would put the scarf <laughs> around the like lady. like the love boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there was a song called Love is in the Air. And that okay. was a big one. And what I realized, I was uh, 16, had a fake ID. And the club was filled with like divorcees from Huntington Harbor. Good place I, to be. Quite... Bob, it was called Spats. Spats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a place. <laughs> I used to go there and back in my disco days. And so I am quite the dancer, Chuck, believe it or not. I think I, I, think I finished top five in some of the disco dance uh, uh, competitions back then, believe it or not. Well, then there we go. We need to do a... Um... TikTok. We need to do a don't die TikTok. Don't yeah. die. We need a song. Too. I got we arrested out song. in front of Spats for uh, urinating. <laughs> oh, God, Mike. Urinating in public. Sense of disco. 
Yeah, urinating in public. I just did the bathroom was full, it was crowded, so I just walked straight out the front door and you know, it's not really hidden or anything. And I just turned for the disco or were the bands playing there later on? Uh there was bands usually. I didn't go on disco night. I think I'm, bands started playing there later on. Yeah. Like the dolphins and the popsicles and wasn't wasn't there a band called called a la carte from down there uh, well yeah you know that a la carte remember the guy the drummer used to paint his uh, eyes on his eyelids yeah a la carte and the popsicles were a band my friend tristan from uh, high school was in and then and then there was steve pettit who's a great blues musician now he had a power pop band called the dolphins and i think they played there too now huntington beach is huntington beach has cool people and then it has a lame government and lame people right it's like this combination of it's a combination of cool and lame because <laughs> i think that's why people listen because it it's it, it's fun to like uh it's fun to poke it, it's fun to poke at things that are unpokeable the one thing i don't that i don't get into anymore i used to go and look at the like you know you grew up in huntington beach if and everybody just gets on there and goes, oh, it was so cool. It was so rad. And it just sounds like uh, all the. No, and there's, I should I should balance out. But there's a lot of bad things about about Huntington Beach. And there always has been. But just by the a, fact, was by virtue accessible. of how it was created. Do you know why Huntington Beach was created? For it's oil. called white flight. It's, it's a fear of people of color that all the white people that lived in Inglewood and Compton and Culver city and South Beverly Hills and, and, you know, Larchmont, they all got frightened when, when people of color started buying houses in their neighborhoods. And that's what created white flight is what created orange County. So it's based on fear. The whole County is based on fear of integration, fear of, fear of uh, people that don't look like you and talk like you and it's this all fear and so that's in the dna of orange county it is chuck <laughs> okay it's called the bedroom community all the people still lived in la my sister moved to Huntington beach in like 1976 or something 75 she worked at xerox in torrance she would just sit on the freeway. That's why bedroom community. So you live, you worked in Torrance or you worked near LAX or you worked in downtown LA. Hey, Sid, what's going on? Oh, you need help? Okay. Sydney's going to the bathroom. She might need help. So I'll be. I don't need help. You don't need help? You're such a big girl, Sid. So, uh, so, so my sister would just because she, you know, her husband was scared of people of color or whatever. They moved to this white, 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 white part of Southern California, which is Huntington Beach, you know, Newport, uh, you know, and, and that's what created it. And it was called a bedroom community and it was white flight. That's you can look that up anywhere you want to. You were there. People in Huntington Beach was was Mike's dad there dealing pot in 1968. Yeah, but there wasn't all the housing tracks and all the stuff that came you know that comes from something really ugly about america that we're now only realizing i've always known it i wrote a song about it in 1988 called colorblind about the day a black family moved on our block my dad immediately put our house up for sale within three weeks just from a black person buying a house 
on our street. Let's not forget. So anyways, but there is good things about Huntington Beach. Steve Pettit, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the crowd, um, you know, Decker, TSOL, Mike Mart, Chuck. There's a lot of great things about Huntington Beach. But you know what? You know what? You know it's cool. You 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 just you just hit on the crowd. I uh, last Saturday I went into the studio at Jeff Malucky's house from the crowd and recorded three songs with Jim K. And oh we wow! Had Paul, we had Paul Sackery play drums. I'm going tomorrow to sort out the. Um, to sort out the mix a little bit, but they're as cool because they're songs. I, I, I talked to Mike Mart about this. Uh, these are songs I used to play with my brother who died in, in 1999. Oh, hold on. She's saying she's done. Do you need help? Okay. She needs help. Okay. Hold, hold that thought. <laughs> oh, I can do it without him. That way I don't have to hear the history of, uh, of hate and fear <laughs> and stuff while I'm talking. We'll pick it up when he gets back. Cause I'm sure he wants to hear that. Uh, the story of you being in the studio but you know when i was in high school in huntington beach there there was literally one black student <laughs> it was a long time ago a lot of places were like that a long time ago because people were kept segregated yeah, yeah of course and yeah. and it took a long time for that to end sit in here while i do the podcast yeah. I, listen to it we just talk and goof around <laughs> it's pretty fun if you want to sit here and listen there's chuck and mike there's hi chuck sid where's she chuck is there hi. wow she's huge mike, mike is there she's so hi. tall she went on the wow roller coaster you sure are getting big wow she went on the, there's oh mike my goodness I she went on the roller coaster the adult roller coaster today no way. I was oh, so scared that I was going to like fall off. She was so scared. What happened to my picture? Did your pigtails uh, fly up? <laughs> yeah, they did. Everything was flying up. <laughs> what? Anyways, so. Well, so, we were talking about uh, Chuck in the studio. Chuck had yes. something. He, Chuck you were recording with the crowd. That must have been an honor Very for exciting. you, my friend. Yeah, it's because. It's, yeah, Jim, your, bro your brother. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Jeff died in, in 99, and it was uh, as a result of, well, he got, he went, he had been sober for a week. He, go, he went to Mexico <clears throat> with his girlfriend, and they hit a pharmacy, and they got drunk, and then they're on their way back. And uh, he was, he was fighting with her in the back seat of this car, and the dude that was driving pulled over on the center divider of the, the freeway and told him to get out and while he was crossing the freeway to get off the center divider he got hit and uh, oh, killed Jesus. on on of all things uh sasha's birthday so jeff's death death day and sasha's birthday are the same day and uh so it's like we used to sit around and play guitars and we, we play like one song for like two or three days so i found a bunch of these cassettes and i put them from my cassette player to my computer and i was able to eke out some songs a few years back and uh so trying to put them into real song structure and it's scary i don't know how you guys sing with in him studios. With him playing no, on it? Oh, okay. No, I, I don't. There's nothing of it, that sort of quality that I could actually pull. But I used his uh, his guitar 
and I used his, uh, and he really liked 12 strings. So I used a, a 12 string on one of them, even though it doesn't fit. And he always made me sing because he was always afraid of singing. So I'm actually singing them. And it's, it's a lot of the same words as best as I could remember them and pull from the tape. So it's been an interesting, cathartic thing. And it, it's, it's kind of cool that there's enough people around that are talented, that are willing to do that with me, that it's super cool. And, it's fun. Uh, Oh, it is. And so let me tell you something to tell those guys that they're not going to believe. They like made a, movie, a seven inch and the song is called Serenade in the Sky. Are you talking about the people who made the sequel life for Pets Wife? No. <laughs> I wish we were. <laughs> yeah, I wish we were. <laughs> no, they made a song in the, and one of the songs is Serenade in the Sky. It's one of the greatest power pop songs ever written, and it's written by the crowd. <laughs> Serenade in the Sky is 1977 by the Flyboys. Oh, Flyboys. Well, that's still, still Jimmy Decker. That's still Jimmy Decker. Jim Decker's in it, right. Yep. Oh, so it wasn't called The Crowd. But, but I think Jimmy still had his long hair then. That song, that song is as good as anything by 2020 or the Plimsolls or any of that power pop era. They were so ahead of their time. They should have really mined that vein. <laughs> that is a great song. The Five Boys were punk rock by the day's standards. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you're talking the talking heads were punk in 77. Right. You know, yeah. by that by that day's standard, so the Go-Go's, the Go-Go's were punk. Beach Boulevard come out in 78? 79. 79? Wow. Yeah. I love the idea that you can you can change stuff up. I, it would be a bummer to be trapped in a band like, as much as I love the Ramones, they were trapped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Polonius Monster evolved, but it, it, but it didn't evolve very well, but it did evolve. But it's allowed to, right? I mean, as long as you're you're allowed to make those movements, wonder, there are some bands how that can't. Could, how could you stay the same? We didn't know what we were doing. You know, one <laughs> of the things, well, it, it really was a band that was evolving based on who joined because somebody died or quit, right? So it mm -hmm. goes from this lounge lizardy blues, John Huck and Pete Weiss, KK Barrett-driven band, Bill Stobau, like people that barely could play or that had a completely different non-rock, non-punk rock aesthetic. And then as soon as that first album happened, then that devolved into me kind of taking over as the songwriter guy. And then I wasn't very good at running a band or being the main person. And then Mike came in and made Stormy Weather, which was our best record, I think, songwriting-wise and style-wise, maybe not production-wise. And then just as soon as Mike Marr joined something, he quits it, of course. So then, then, oh, that, no. then that era, that See That My Grave era, is over even before it began, really. It just is captured on that record, really. Then... Then we become a real rock band, like like trying to be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and that's when it was just god awful. It was it was like the better we got, the better we got, the worse it was. And why are three old guys talking about old time punk rock? Because this is our version of talking about college. <laughs> exactly. When, when old people get together. 
because I have several uh, kind of areas of old people friends now. And like Dr. Drew is one of them. Anytime I go with Drew to one of his things or go to like I went to his 50th birthday party or 50, maybe 60th. I mean, no, 50th birthday party. And uh, it was kind of a formal affair. And everyone asked me uh, how I knew Drew. And I would say, well, I work with him. And they said, oh, really? What do you do? And I'd say, well, you know, I'm a counselor. I work for him. And he goes, oh, where did you go to school? And then they talk about school for the rest of the night. And mostly <laughs> USC, mostly brand name schools. USC, UCLA is like a notch below the SC crowd. Some people went to Stanford. So, and, they, and they really do talk about their college. And some people went to the California punk rock school of yeah we went to college yeah and so the fly boys crowd (laughs) Mike you made a great point that most people don't know is that it wasn't so defined punk rock became defined by kind of the circle jerks and bad religion really and bat and black flag sex pistols mock three no but that was but no seventy seven but. No, I'm not saying when something was punk rock. I'm saying what people know is this dogmatic, ritualistic punk rock. Uh, it has to look a certain way, sound a certain way. You got to have, you know, it, 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 what people think of as punk rock. That's not what 1979 was like. 1979, yeah. Mike is right, was the Talking Heads and the Clash and Black Flag and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. X the, sounded I, like X. X, X sounded like X. Screamers sounded like the Screamers. The Screamers were way before, and they're in a different category. But I'm talking about when you went to Licorice Pizza on Golden West Boulevard and, and, and across from Golden West College, they had a punk rock section. It was only about 50 records. And yeah. I was going through there one day, and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' first record was in there. And I yeah. bought it, and I fucking loved it. And for that two years, from like 78 on, I just said, yeah, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are punk. I mean, they're new wave. That's where the term new wave is. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but K-Rock so, was playing all that different stuff, too. It was all amalgamated. It wasn't, it, you're right, it was so open. You can go on, because I did this a while back, because I was going, man, I remember hearing ACDC and Devo and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And when you have like the top, 100 songs on K-Rock from 1980. It was that diverse. It was it wasn't, good. It was all yeah. good. There was not a weak yeah. song in the bunch. The only person playing the punk rock back then on K-Rock, the real was punk rock, was Rodney. Was Rodney right. I think that's when I heard Modern Machine, the crowd from the Beach Boulevard record, that Modern Machine song was so good. Short so to the point. I had a moment. Well, you know, Orange County, Bob, the middle class. Middle class oh, yeah. was like way before the everybody, chiefs. man. Yeah, I mean, we'll just now we're just boring people, but okay. but but right. no, but I it, seriously, like you can look up Serenade in the Sky and listen to it, and you can tell me if I'm wrong if you like power pop music like I do. I mean, that's a masterpiece song. It's a it it's a great song, and you know, and it's kind of they're kind of a band known to play punk rock and be on the Beach Boulevard record. And there's so much more than that. And 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 people aren't allowed. It's interesting because I'm working in music again now. And I we were talking yesterday 
Like there's never going to be like, there's some artists that I really like. And I'm saying, well, maybe if we worked with them, we could get them into this other thing. And, and I said, don't forget Bonnie Raitt made lots of records that nobody listened to and then became Bonnie Raitt. And what? Oh, he's getting your braid. Yeah, you should put him. He's gonna scratch your face, Sid. You better. We better watch out. Put him down. Um, but uh, so that it was. Uh, there's a bunch of insider people in in music. That's never gonna happen again. It's never gonna happen that a 45 year old woman who's a lifelong musician who has seven albums out becomes the Grammy winning number one album of the year. It's never gonna happen again. And that's sad. Music is in a really weird, dark, like genreistic, uh, Twitter-driven. It's really, it's really in a sad place. And so, when we reminisce about '79, it was such a wild, free, anything was mm -hmm. possible time. And now things are so dark. I mean, I keep saying it. I, I'm old, and I shouldn't criticize new music, but. When Wet Ass Pussy is the number one song in America. <laughs> there we go. With the wet Ass Pussy. <laughs> it's just like, it's not, is it only me? Or is it that, that no, any kind of subtlety is lost? Any kind of, any kind of craft is lost? Any kind of, it's just whatever a bunch of people will click on. It's so weird to me. And of course, you're going to click on something called wet ass pussy because, like, God knows why people click on it, but, 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 no, I don't think I ever did by choice. I uh, haven't yet <laughs> by choice. I have, have you not fine. heard the song? W -A -T? I, I, told, I think, yeah, we did. We talked, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago because I had a male client, client do it for karaoke because I'll do karaoke group every once in a while just to get do some group bonding a did that song in yeah. rehab? a dude a dude from um new jersey no less <laughs> so he had this really thick kind of new jersey thing going on and it was it was hilarious but it was the first time i'd ever heard the song or was or, he doing but, it to be funny yeah absolutely yeah. Oh, must but, have been great. I wish we had a video of that. I, I wish I could, but he's a client, so I can't video him. Oh my god. <laughs> he's but, he's but, done some good ones. So so that that brings me to this this thing that uh my day was so interesting. So uh Anthony, my best buddy, came over to see Idris for the first time and spent a long time together and we were talking about music and blondie and you know we i do the same things with a lot of my friends it's just is because now is so weird uh, let's not even say it's good or bad let's just say the state of music is in such a weird place that when you listen to blondie we listen to the first blondie record it's a fucking masterpiece it's so amazing that first Blondie record. It sounds mm. like it sounds like the. Are you Ronettes, talking about plastic letters? No, the first record has got X Offender on it. What's oh. the first? It's it's called Blondie, I think. X Offender That's and in the flesh, in the flesh. Oh, anyways, uh, I think it's got hanging on the telephone too. The the um, nerve song. I think it's Parallel Lines, isn't it? Parallel Lines no. has, has hanging on the telephone. Oh, okay. The first Blondie record has a song called X Offender. Right. There, it's a black and white cover. In the Flesh. Yeah, it's a black cover. It's a police car, I think. 
Maybe, yeah, yeah, I think so. So anyways, we're just talking about Blondie and we're talking about Led Zeppelin and like, just like, you just had all this, all this wonderfulness that everybody was soaking up and it was a part of the pop culture. And, and that, that really is gone. Everything's in its narrow little boxes and the people only like that stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's the social distortion stuff or the, the metal stuff or the, you know, it's just so, it's just a comment on our times that nobody has an imagination that you could like, you know, you could like, um, country you know like a country star an up-and-coming country songwriter like chris stapleton and like acdc and you could like um you know barbara streisand that it just i don't think young people can realize that no it's 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 fragmented and the uh, the idea that you try and find an identity through your music especially when you're young you know, it's like yeah, you say that sucks if you don't like it, as opposed to it's just not in my wheelhouse. You know, the idea that because I know I used to think like that. But then again, me and all my friends, we, we were friends because we all hated the same shit, not because we loved the same stuff. So we, you had to as a teenager, you try and find an identity through music. But I think that's a big part of listening to the older stuff. Uh, is that but music brings, touches it, you. The, the music we're talking about touches you in a different way. Yeah. Whether, and, you know, I'm a big fan of Barbra Streisand. I've been made fun of my entire adult life by everybody. Her I love voice culture. is an amazing I love, instrument. I love Culture Club. I love so many things that, that um, I would get joked about. But, you know, everyone would level with you. And is there anyone that doesn't like Culture Club really when it comes on the radio? Karma Chameleon. It's a great song. Everybody knows there, it and everybody sings it. I, I dare to say there are not many great songs nowadays. There are not many. There's great lines that everybody repeats at the concert because I do go to the concert and they all like, yeah, and your motherfucking this, you know, and whatever. <laughs> the, they love to repeat a line out of a song, but all the songs are disposable and nothingness and meaninglessness. And, and it's just weird. You know, it's just a weird time to... And I think people that really music means so much to them are talking more and more about that era from 70, even 72, like Ziggy Stardust comes out, the Quadrophenia comes out. I mean, think about what happened between 1965 and 1985, right? Right. It's just mind-blowing what happened in that 20 years and then just take the last 21 years of the new millennium. What has happened? <laughs> what, <laughs> what exactly? And I know I'm a grumpy old man and oh, this is great. <laughs> Beyonce lemonade is great. Like you got the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, David Bowie. You've got the sex whistles, the clash, Tom Petty, talking heads, the chili Roxy peppers, music. rage against the machine, Roxy music. Uh, you've got Willie and Waylon. You've got you've got NWA, Public Enemy, Sugar Hill Gang, Grandmaster Flash. You've got the beginnings of a whole genre of music in that in that twenty year period. You've got Marvin Gaye. You've got Prince. I mean, literally, take the last twenty one years and you name me the artist. 
It's just something's gone wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong, not just with our society, not just with our children, not just with our politics, but with our art. And maybe the two are interwoven. Maybe a society that's so sick as us can't produce inspiring music. Maybe it doesn't want inspiring music. Yeah, I think it, I think it doesn't really want it more than anything because there's, you know, you're not going to hear on the radio songs that don't reflect the are, are the sickness of the culture right now, really, because people pe- seems like people don't want to have a good time. People would rather argue and fight. And I right. And you so know, the society is getting sick. So let's zero in now. We're, all, we're both clinicians and Mike's working on his clinical degree. Uh, what is the single <laughs> factor? What is the single factor that you point out at that, has, that is, has a string attached to all these ills in our society? Narcissism. Narcissism. <laughs> Narcissism. I, it, it, like if everybody could just tone it down a little bit. I've, I've toned it down a little bit. Everybody's toned it down that they know everything and that they're the smartest and the, and, the, and the cat's meow and everything they think is like genius. And everybody's toned it down just a little bit. Just come on. You know what I mean? Just everybody take it down a notch. Just, let's just everybody in the country, let's take our narcissism from a, down from an 11 to a 10. Just like to, to 10. <laughs> Just one notch down, yeah. One notch more quiet. One, Did you one just notch, get British on us? <laughs> one notch. Just one notch well, down. I'm trying to do the spinal tap thing. Just from from eleven to ten. If we could just turn it down. If we could just take the narcissism down one one notch. I think I think we'd be heading in the right direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, the, the idea that everybody needs to write a book or everybody needs to, um, everybody needs to be uh, famous or everybody needs to be uh, known. I, I, that's why I, I think that's why I hang out with the people I hang out with. Like even, um, even Noodles, no bragging at all. And then he, he brings me this disc and they just made a great record. They even did a song called The Opioid, Opioid Diaries. And it's, it's, it's it's a heavy kind of cool thing that it sounds like it's you can tell that what he's he's been listening to it and, and uh, it's cool they they you know they made a good record but I didn't hear oh man you're gonna love this this is the best shit we or whatever it's just like oh hey here you go this is for bug <laughs> well, that's the, so cool the internet and YouTube has saturated the market with people who just want to get their stuff out there. You know, they, they really feel they're talented and their only resource is them promoting themselves. Well, it's the inversion of what used to happen. So the way yeah, you, the, the way the you, the way well you proved that you were worthy was you worked hard, became good, be, were entertaining. And then people came and saw you more and more. You put your, you, then, you earned your bones. And then eventually, uh, the kind of more mass attention from radio or record sales would come. But it started with you had to be able to entertain people for 45 minutes or an hour in a bar on a Wednesday night. Yeah. And I, there's none of these people that are on the charts that are won, uh, win all these Grammys can do that. I mean, I've been to every one of these shows in the last 15 years. 
I leave after 20 minutes, 30 minutes. The best yeah. part of most of this pop music and rap music and R&B music is when they come out. Like after about 20 minutes, it's just going to be the same shit over and over again, except for Beyonce. She's the only one I've seen that like, holy fuck, what's going to happen next? You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, but for the most part, like even Kendrick Lamar, I like his records, but like I leave, I, I left after 30 minutes. Like, you know, it was just like, okay, I get it. But I just, it's, and, and I don't mean to pick on him. He's a genius. That record, the two records he made in a row are just masterful. I just don't know. I don't know that the audience is, I don't know how the whole thing works. I'm really confused about it. They love to recite the line of, uh, before the break, right? Or on the break, right? <laughs> they do it in all the pop acts. They do it in, in, in mostly hip-hop and, and R&B and what's now R&B pop or whatever. Like, they have these lines that everybody knows except for me, and then they all recite it together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I've gone back through the years and I go and look at the song and try to find what that lyric is that everybody likes. And it's always, like you said, it's always kind of insulting. It's very seldom uplifting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's always kind of a, kind of a, I don't know. It's always kind of coming at an angle that's not inspirational, but everybody's reciting it like it is inspirational. It's so weird. I mean, I could but go you know, on and on about it. And it's, Th and, it's all, and it's also planned. You know, like when Thelonious Monster used to get up on stage, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know whether the show was going to go good or bad. And if it was going good, that's fine. But if it was going bad, we would fight, fist fight on stage. You know, we would we would get into we would create quit. some sort of you quit yeah Many create quit. some sort of show that people would <laughs> at least want to see well i think it was a shared it was a shared experience and whether it's whether it's the crowd or Tony monster or the chili peppers or rage or the bc boys or all the way on through till about the last 15 years it was just a shared experience like like i I remember probably one of the greatest concerts I ever saw was Radiohead at the Greek Theater when they made the album Kid A. They came out, they did the first song off the off the new album. Everybody knew it. It was it was just a it was just a spiritual thing. And I guess that I'm just on the outs and I'm too old, but I just don't feel that reciting some derogatory term towards a woman is is something I want to rally around and share with 50,000 people. <laughs> I, I just don't. No, no, and, you don't. And, so, and so strangely that this, the lyrics often are derogatory towards women living in this post me Too most supposedly enlightened era. And the music that people are listening to is so misogynist. It's very like, like you said, the society is just all crazy and everything's all mixed up. And so this gets to the point of addiction. It's no wonder everybody's on drugs. Why wouldn't you be? The, the, really, the, the question for right now, how fucked up our society is, how fucked up our children are, how fucked up it is that dr oh, drug overdose is the leading cause of death for, for young people. It's, a it's, a, it's kind of, inter I think the three of us are out of step. We should be oh, on yeah. drugs. Well, yeah, sure. we're, we're so out of step. It's like I was watching uh, Saturday Night Live and, um, you know, Pete Davidson does those like uh, parody raps and they had Kid Cudi on and he goes, oh, yeah, hit that zany beat.
and it's just like the drums and it it, it, it falls in it is that total xanax influenced feeling because that's all you need you know and then they're making yeah. they're, mike are you aware that there's a there's a, a xanax beat how does the xanax beat go Zanny beat. it man. must it's, be it, really slow it's Whoa. slow and it, but it's got not much of a group. But it, it's it's funny that you say all that because I when I go on Spotify and I'll pull up like sixties and seventies funk and R and B or soul and R and B, and it is such uplifting, cool music. Even even when Mayfield's getting heavy, it's positive. Even Pusher Man has a positive message at the end of it, you know. Yeah. And it, Al but Green. then you, if you if you do eighties R and B. It starts falling way off. Nineties R and B is just like it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel the same. It's not uplifting. It doesn't pull people together. But there's so much good stuff from the sixties, seventies, well, late sixties, all through the seventies. Soul R and B and funk that was just Prince. so fun. Don't forget Prince in the eighties. Come Don't on, forget now. the ch hot chocolate band. But but you're talking about one or two, you know, like cameo is what seems to happen on and the Daz band is what happens in the eighties, which word up is a burn fun rubber, song. burn but rubber it, on me, but, but, on me. But, yeah. but, but understand that I, it's not that I'm giving up. I'm just waiting till, till something happens. It just seems like something has to happen. There has to be a, a, a rallying point. There has to be a coming together in order for us to solve the drug problem. The drug problem cannot be solved by drug treatment. The drug, I'm convinced of that. It, no, it, the drug, drug problem is a, is a symptom of the society. Whereas before, the drug problem could be solved because, uh, like, for the most part, most drug addicts in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, I would say 90s too, um, we're rejecting society. We're rejecting it. Like, I don't, I don't share those values. I'm going to live like an outlaw where it's, whether it's, you know, Charlie Parker or Hunter S. Thompson or Keith Richards or, or Perry Farrell. It was just like a rejection of the status quo of what the society was. And the society was pretty orderly and the society was pretty mundane and pretty, I don't know, just, it was just, the society was, it functioned in a real functional way. People had hope, people aspired to careers, they had jobs, there wasn't all this hatred and blame of, of uh, grievances towards the government and, and all this, it was, it was just, but because I rejected it and most people rejected it because it was so lame and square and boring. Right, <laughs> we need more. And so lanes you embrace drug culture, <laughs> and you embrace outlaw lifestyle, and make your own rules, and and that's bound to break down. That's a hard thing to sustain for fifty or sixty years. I, I defy. There's not many that have lived an outlaw life for fifty years. Usually, like twenty, and then you just fucking give in and join the <laughs> ranks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Or but now the society tired. is so sick. It's just the dr the drug addicts aren't rebelling. They're just a symptom right inside the belly of the beast of the sick <laughs> society. Yeah, right. It's not reb. It's not rebellious. It's it's, it's mainstream, baby. Right? And I I said it the the, the other day. I, I in my in my life from say that era seventy seven till I got sober until you know I got 
you know, my life together, probably that, that, that 30 years, probably, um, the people were honorable, honorable for the most part. I mean, Mike likes to exaggerate that you'd steal somebody's dope and help them look for it. So what? You loved them. They were friends of yours. Um, there was a love and a connection in the drug community and the music community, in the street community um, that, that I don't see in our mainstream society even. I just don't see it. I don't see familial connections. I don't see trust. I don't see hope. I don't see a lot of things that were just basic fundamentals to American life. They're just gone. You know, and we got to get them back or, or I don't know what's going to happen. So where does that start then? Does that. It starts with us taking stock of ourselves instead of each other. I've been. I've been ah. There's something to this. Like if you don't like narcissism, stop being so narcissistic. What does that mean? You'd have to be bright enough to know what that means, which I, you know, me, I'm thinking there's not a lot of education going on the last 20, 30 years. Um, you'd have to know that, hey, you know, when I think I'm right and somebody thinks they're right, maybe it doesn't matter whether I correct them and tell them that I'm right. Think about that. So that's where all conflict comes from. Somebody, yeah? Why do you think I have a milkshake? Why didn't you have that milkshake? I don't know, but it's gone now. I thought you had your water. You're fine with water. You don't need a milkshake. Like, I, if you guys didn't know, me and Sid are home alone. By the way, <laughs> oh, that's why milkshake. <laughs> yeah. Watch out! Don't don't get your finger cut. Did you get your finger cut? No. Okay. Be careful with her. <laughs> Listen, to the cat's making. Yeah, she cat's making that let cat. me go noises. <laughs> Oh, you love it. Let's, so uh, let's get Sydney on and ask her about her her new little brother. Sid, you want to talk about Idris? Want to tell the guys about Idris? Come over here. Come over here, and you can tell them about Idris. So, what's it like? I'm going to interview you, Sid. Put the cat down. Put the kitten down. What is it like to have a little baby brother? Poop. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder where uh, she got that from. So Bob. she discovered a word that Elvis uses a lot. And Bob uses a lot. It's poop. Yeah. Poop. Poop is, <laughs> I think she comes by it honestly. That's genetic, I think. <laughs> what, um, what, uh, didn't we go to Universal Studios today? Wasn't that fun? Hey, 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 Sid, Sydney, does, does Idris cry a lot? Does I just cry a lot? People want to know. He does. Does he, um, he cries when he, what are the two reasons he cries? Because we've been talking about it a lot. He cries when what? When his diaper is dirty and when he's hungry. Oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Those are two things. So it's a big change around here. I just coming into the mix. He's one month old today. Wow. wow. He's one month old. Sydney, are you teaching uh, Idris how to talk? Are you teaching Idris how to talk? Watch out. She's going to scratch your face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you okay. know, 
She's she kind of worried about cats. Teaching kids. She, th- she throws the cat over I, her shoulder. Sid can't hear you because I have those headphones in, Mike, that you told me to have. <laughs> you got to stick one in her ear. Oh, uh, you want to listen? Nah, she's all right. She's got the cat. Mama's going to be home soon. Anyway, so we had a great day. We went to the beach, took Idris to the beach for the first time, and then Sid and I went to Universal Studios, and Mama's um, heading home from the beach right now. Oh, nice. Oh, there's the kitten. Oh, there it is. I wanted to bathe Idris in the ocean. That was kind of my my, uh, hope. It didn't go so well because he was like, it's freezing cold. I was like, just you you just need to put him in the water for a second. No, no we're all from the water. <laughs> we're yeah. all from the water. We're all dude. from the warm water, Bob. <laughs> I, it was pretty cold. It was pretty cold out there today. Um, mm. No, don't you think like a, you need to be bathed in the water like a it's baptism? Too, too cold, Bob. Too cold. <laughs> yeah. So Anthony, said, Anthony just said, if you want to baptize him, just go get a few drops of water. Let's put him on his head, and that's what we did. <laughs> but I really wanted to dunk him in the water in the Pacific Ocean. But we went to the beach and had a great walk. And, and, and that's what I think. I just wonder, are all the angry people doing the stuff that makes you feel connected? Like walk, go to the beach with your wife and kids and your best friend. Is that, is that what people are doing? What are they doing? You know, because I weird. felt so it, it, connected it, today to the world. I felt hopeful, even though I'm a pessimist. I felt like loved. I felt love for other people. Like, people need to think about this. If you're so fucking angry and miserable, maybe the problem is you. Okay, and so, what Bob, you do. I've got a question for you. And you're just, you and I are a lot alike in this area when we go out in public and we just meet a stranger. When somebody walks up that presents like any kind of a situation where you can start a conversation, you start a conversation with them, right? Am I correct? Right. I always right. Do. You say, hi. Oh, that's great. You know, blah, blah, blah. You talk, right? That's what I do. And I seem to run into less angry people if I just open my mouth and I'm positive, you know what I mean? And I, and I present like a decent uh, side of, you know, a conversation to people. No, I, I, yeah, certainly. I mean, here's the other thing. The ugliness is coming from the internet. There's no doubt about it. People right. are not necessarily, my very point. few people are really ugly and hateful to your face. Though there's more of them nowadays than there I ever remember them being before. But when you see somebody, when you see somebody, and you can kind of see in their face that they're that they're uh, preoccupied, they're angry, they're blah blah. You just steer clear of them. That's what I do. I steer clear (laughs) of them. I don't start a conversation with them. If I see somebody smiling, how does that do anything? But what I'm saying is, people want. Here's what I think. People want to know how come you're happy. Well, I'll tell you a bunch of reasons how I'm happy. I don't go on Facebook. I don't go on Twitter. I care. How are your children? How's your mom? How's your job going? Yeah. Are you gonna? Are you scared of being aged out of your job? That's going on with a lot of my friends. They're in their mid fifties and they're just getting replaced by thirty-year-old dudes for half the price. Uh, yeah. How's your marriage going? How's your divorce going? How's it after? How you know humanness? We got distracted by the internet to talk about nothingness. And, and I think we thought we're going to get back to humanness or important things after we talk about the newest, you know, Twitter feed or something. 
we just, and I felt myself getting that way and I just cut it off and I'm so different and so happy. Everybody, they said, tune in, turn on, turn off. What was it? Tune in, tune, turn on and drop out. Drop out, right? People need to do that kind of thing, not with hallucinogens or LSD, but with the internet. It's just not, it's not serving no, they us. they need to it's do it with LSD, us. man. They need, that, that <laughs> drug needs to, that drug you know, needs I, to come back, you know, man, because that I just was, makes you peaceful. Gonna, and, you know what's interesting? Think about that. I've, I haven't taken LSD since the internet was born. What are people taking LSD and just going all over the internet, like reading a bunch of shit, or are they I, going outside and, and fucking looking at a tree? Not. I would hope they're not. I going think they on the might internet. be. Hey, what a horrible trip. Acid, can you can you email or whatever, Bob, cries and whispers at hotmail.com? What is the typical acid trip going on these days? Because I've done it where we go to Joshua Tree, I've done it where we're, you know, gonna gonna take a bunch and play a show i played a show one time at, on acid it was pretty pretty weird um, probably cool for you you know <laughs> we would take acid and just go up we take acid and go up to hollywood lake and just sit there on the bridge and like look at the, the light see that's what i'm saying it requires that you had that you get out if you stay but in what and if look people are just taking acid and going on facebook well, no why would you Ugh. i bet they what? are I, I don't see why you would spend 9, 10, 11, 12 hours on the internet on acid. You have to get out of the fucking house, man. <laughs> because they do everything on the internet. I think that if you if you dropped enough, you could see through to the evil intent behind the internet and you would probably destroy the Wi-Fi in your home and run outside and hug a tree. You have to get out into nature, man. And so yep. what it what what not being on Facebook, Twitter and all that stuff, Instagram, blah, 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 and paying attention to everybody's eating habits and hate habits. Um, what it does is it frees you up. So a couple nights ago, because we're in this weird sleep cycle where the baby wakes up at six in the morning, so we're all up at six in the morning, and then you try to nap and then you're thrown off and you don't go to sleep till two in the morning. So I'm at late at night watching the uh netflix or hulu or whatever so i watched that sasquatch documentary on hulu have you heard about it yeah i, I oh, watched yeah. it too did you watch it it was yeah. invented by a bunch of old pot dealers to scare people from going up <laughs> yeah. in the mountains yeah <laughs> it's true yeah and they put out they that the sasquatch it. killed somebody yeah that, the well they here. did well they killed them but then they said that killed sasquatch three people killed them. <laughs> yeah oh, i don't want to ruin more. the show they for people that haven't three. seen it they killed yeah. more than three but there was but the I three just, that they they set those guys up to see man but when the guy says yeah there were four of us and we were they were trying to scare away the mexican mafia or something we thought Wish we had, and they named that dog that down is down in Mexico, Chupacana. Chupacabra, right? yeah. Yeah, the Chupacabra. Sucker. They said, wish we had some of those Chupacadres. And then they all looked at each other, probably stoned on pop, Mike, and said, we've got something better. <laughs> we've got <Yeah>. Bigfoot. <laughs> and so they started dressing up in the Bigfoot outfits. That's one of the guys that, it, you know, the famous video of Bigfoot, Mike? Yes. They have that guy saying yeah that was me in this outfit and he has the outfit <laughs> it's fucking yeah. great yeah you know what, bob you have to watch rumble the indian that rocked the world the indians that rocked the world it's on amazon rumble? it's amazing yeah uh, that was that. cool did you see it chuck yeah 
Oh my god! I've watched it twice now. It's an amazing. There's so much doc. fun Dude, stuff to we, watch. We talked about that because Link Bray was the coolest because he was the first guy to ever be banned for a and, wordless song. And, and what it does is it 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 it, it util, that's the first utilization of that whole downbeat, that sort of Indian And they go into the history. They go into the history of where the Indians were actually shipped to Africa to try and get rid of them. And then they, in turn, were then shipped back with the black people to be slaves. So a lot of the oh. in, Indians, oh the, American, the black people are American Indians. Well, and you not know? only that, but in the South, because, because they, were, they, were, they were all dark-skinned, they all hung out together. Because of the KKK, they were forced to like, live together. And that yep. Jimi Hendrix was half Cherokee or something along those lines. And that's why he wore the Indian dress that he did. But that a lot of the soul music comes from uh, first generation people. They don't, they, they call them Indians in the show, even, yeah. you know, they say uh, Indians I, a lot. Can but, I ask you one thing? What good music genre comes from white people? <laughs> Classical. Benny, Benny Goodman. <laughs> no, no, Classical. No. Big band. <laughs> big ben, benny goodman man <laughs> but i mean when you look at what moved the whole world forward uh first rock you know first jazz music then rock and roll then rap right and you can say r&b is an offshoot of 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 race music or whatever you want to say but it's all music of people of color it's yeah. not white people White people didn't invent rock and roll. Hence, hence the reason it was uplifting, because it came from, from people who wanted to feel good, that weren't happy just to sit around and be negative. If they'd have had the internet in the 30s, blues would have never happened. 20s and 30s, <laughs> we would have had no good music, and mumble rap would have happened back then, and we'd be talking about the death of music by now. Anyways, I'm excited about what's to come. I think post-Trump has just been pause, right? Nothing, no one dare move. Don't move. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Is he gone? Is he really gone? I think you're <laughs> going to see a time that when the internet is not so important. I think the young kids coming up today are just going to think that's for a bunch of old folks. They're going to toss away all that crap and hopefully I hope so. get out and experience the world. That's a, I mean, I'm an optimist. I like that thought, Mike Mart. I like that a lot. A lot of people, a lot of sociologists are predicting like all this shit that happened for the last five years might just dissipate and go away and people might just start being celebratory and uniting and 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 much more open to the experience of of life instead of the left brain reality of misery and that you know that's got to be an explosion in many different levels right uh we'll see that everybody's you know some sociologists are saying you ain't seen nothing yet uh of the roaring 20s of what's going to happen in the next five years once you're no mass no covid it's all over with the booming economy jobs back people making money 15 dollars minimum wage health care for everybody just this explosion is about to happen but i just feel like we're pre that we're in between when the hate got grew so enormous we we were overwhelmed by it and now is this pause time where you're seeing pushback against cancel culture, you're seeing pushback against 
you know, being too quick to judge um, a situations in society. I think LeBron James just got crucified a couple of days ago about something like that. I don't know if it's going to be amazing or crazy, but something big is going to happen in 2022 and 2023 and 2024 and 2025. I'm excited like I never have been before. Something is happening. I just see little glimpses of people being rational and standing up and saying, hey, you know, like, let's try to bring this together. <laughs> Did you hear what you Me just too. said? I catch glimpses of people, people being rational. And that's, that is good enough for me. <laughs> At this point, it I'm really on, is good enough for me. I'm on board for glimpses of people being rational. Do you rational. feel it, though? Do you feel it, Chuck? I, yeah, true, Bob. I feel it a lot. I feel I that feel psychedelics it. are going to come back. Psychedelics are coming back. We're, we, we're a non-drug <laughs> show. <laughs> God damn it. Hey, Mark. If so, and if it's going to make it. It's going to open up awareness. I'll make a bargain. Like, I'm pro-hallucinogens if it'll have any dent in the division and hate in our society. <laughs> uh, Bill did it. Yeah. Bill Wilson did it. And Bobby Forrest did it. Mike, Mar Mike Martin. Maybe that'll be the next uh, harm reduction, you know? Just put them on acid, man. Mike, let me tell you something. I've, I was with, I've done acid with Mike a couple times. But one time in particular, I remember... Chuck, you want to know something about Mike Mart on, on acid? It's no different than Mike Mart on not on acid. <laughs> it's the he's same. Like, he's like immune. He's like the same. He was, he was exactly the same. Nothing can <laughs> harm you, man. Nothing can harm you when you're on acid, it seems like. You know, remember that guy tried to kill me with a bottle cap, and I was just laughing at him. That marine guy. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah kill yeah. you with this bottle cap, and I just laughed at him and pushed him in the pool, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh no, <laughs> no, it's fun. Chuck Thelonious Monster is playing Stanford University, and we were put up in this uh, motel complex in down on Palo Alto Boulevard or whatever. And Mike and I took acid. I think everybody took acid, didn't we? That was like a group yeah, a effort. Us, like yeah. it was like Chris Hansen. It was like yeah, yeah, it was like. 20 of us took acid and then i think we took it the next like i think we took it the night driving up there then we took it the next day and mike pushed a marine in the swimming pool at the hotel. well i didn't want him to kill me with that bottle cap and they broke a bunch of bottles and mike was barefoot or pete weiss was barefoot and they're walking around there's broken glass when everybody's high on acid and then and then we realized we have to play. <laughs> like, aren't we supposed to be somewhere? <laughs> We're supposed to be somewhere playing right now, Chuck. You know, so after I pushed well that guy in the pool, after that whole ordeal, I ran around the pool. He was in the pool trying to get out with his bottle of booze or whatever. And him and his girlfriend were in the pool. And I was running around the pool, throwing in the chairs and all the chairs yeah, in the yeah, pool. Yeah. And then you guys told me, Mike, you got to stay up in the hotel room. You can't, you can't come out. Anymore. You shouldn't be yeah. out by the pool. You shouldn't be out by the pool. <laughs> You're going to get hurt. And so we went up to Chris Hansen's room or your your room, Bob. And so that brings people together, Chuck. So uh, maybe acid is the uh, acid for the children is the solution. There you go. <laughs> you know that that's funny because my buddy Gish says, "Man, if you haven't been to jail and you haven't done acid, we can't be friends." Right. Because th those two things are life changers and man makers. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I co-sign your buddy's thing. I've been to jail and I've been to the mountaintop. 
There we go. <laughs> they, they're, they're, those are life lessons, man. Unless you take an acid and been to jail or seen and seen a baby be born, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> well, wait. We can add. We can add. Unless you've ridden a motorcycle over a hundred miles an hour. Oh yeah. Oh, that, know, that, that that is that. something. Wow. Well, we now we get into autoeroticism. I don't want to get into that tonight. Let's call it. I gotta say, the first time I ever had a, a orgasm, I was oh. riding my motorcycle. <laughs> I was riding my motorcycle. I was like twelve years old, thirteen years old. Riding my motorcycle out in the desert, uh, in Palm Desert, and I was trying to get up this hill. I was on a Husky 125. I was trying to get up this huge sand dune that's out there uh, south of Palm Desert, and I couldn't make it, and all the older guys could make it, and I was out there by myself practicing for when they came out there, and I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough, I didn't have enough horsepower or whatever to get all the way up, and I got like five feet from the top of this like hundred foot sand dune and my rear tire was stuck in there. And, you know, you got to like get up your nerve to turn around and lean back and go down a sand dune. Right. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just revving the engine and I'm trying to get my nerve up to do a pivot and go back down. Cause it's sand. You got to lock your brakes so that you're kind of dug into the sand dune and you kind of slide down, and you lean back. Right. And you're kind of, trying to get to the bottom of the sand dune. So I'm sitting there trying to get up my nerve because I'm this is the highest I've ever gotten on it. No one else around. I'm by myself. Of course, no helmet, Chuck, back in the day. No helmets. Oh. And I'm revving my engine. This is probably 73. Revving my engine. And I feel a little something between my legs, Chuck. Oh, I see where this is going. Oh, oh boy. It was a little tickly, huh? I didn't know what it was. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I fucking I was a Catholic boy naive. Nobody talks about sex. It's 1973. I'm just like, rev it a little more. I'm like, holy moly, holy moly. I'm so moving bucky. around, like revving the motor, and then, uh, and then it happened. So I lost my virginity to a Husqvarna 125 motorcycle. There you go. Okay. I'll leave you with that. Good night, gentlemen. Good night. (laughs) See you guys later. See you later. Thank you. Don't die. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.